0: Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion, where just about anything goes. We'll talk about some sex in the news. Uh, I'll answer questions. We'll talk about the orgasm gap, some research on that, who uh, who orgasms more and how and such. We'll also talk about happily ever after, expecting that in our marriages actually hurts us. Plus, is casual sex emotionally Healthy, all those topics, and whatever we've got time for, plus your questions. Uh, But first, calling's not the only way to connect. The inbox is easy and always open at 514 800. So let's get to some of your mail. Some of it came by email to laurie at com, or just go to my uh, my website, drlori.com and fill out the form right there. There's also some texts that have been left over from last night. We had a good discussion on cheating, uh, cheating during the pandemic, what kinds of cheating could cheaters change? All of those topics were discussed and I have a, a few that I wanted to, to include uh, tonight. So you can text me anytime, by the way, five one four eight hundred 800 Is doing a live feed with someone doing porn considered cheating? I'm going to leave that one up to everybody else here. So basically you're talking about sitting in a room with your cat, with, watching a live person on the other side doing stuff while you're masturbating. Uh, with From people I know who do this, they interact with that person as well. They chat with them, they pay them, they send tips, uh, whatever it is. So uh, that really, I mean, I would consider that cheating if you are doing this in secret, like, are you, how how would your uh, partner feel about this? That's the one question. So you might, your partner might be okay with you watching porn during masturbation, but maybe not okay with you watching uh, and interacting with the real person on the other end. So you would want to ask your partner that actually. And I would think that many would say yes, that is definitely a form of uh, of cheating. So I'd love to hear what uh, people have to say about that. Is doing a live feed with someone doing porn considered cheating? My vote is yes. It's a form of uh, digital cheating, <laughs> cyber sex cheating, cyber infidelity. I know a girl that cheated on her boyfriend with a guy that I knew and her ex-boyfriend and the new guy both look like Jim Morrison and she's married with kids with the new guy now. That's interesting, right? When one looks exactly like the other, Uh, but aren't there some people who cheat simply because they are not in a, I don't know what relationship they can't escape for whatever reason could be. If you want someone else, isn't that a sign it's over regardless? Well, it's over in one's heart and in one's connection it would it's very hard to keep a connection with two people and keeping like a separate life on the side so my guess is that the connection to the wife uh, or the husband is um is not going to be so great they're going to feel quite disconnected if this is happening someone puts it really well here I don't believe lack of satisfaction necessarily always has to do with one's partner, so much as more often than not, the dissatisfied person themselves and the fundamental cause of their dissatisfaction is furthermore, not necessarily always sexually based or related, but alternatively could have a deeper emotional and or psychological origin as well very, very true. Consequently, it's essentially everyone's personal and individual responsibility to understand themselves as well as their proper tastes and desires in order that they may ultimately feel integral enough to bring something substantial to a relationship, as opposed to being solely dependent upon another for their personal fulfillment, which is ultimately their responsibility instead. That's a very beautifully, said thank you for that text writes it if you are being intimate with someone in any form it is cheating so if the person is a real person on the end of a camera uh, rather than say watching porn you i guess you're saying that would be um cheating another text or any act where you wouldn't feel comfortable with your partner sitting next to you i would classify as cheating i like that definition just like Whatever you are texting, sexting someone, if you wouldn't want your partner to see it and they might interpret it in a certain way, then you shouldn't be texting it because that in itself is also a form of, uh, of cheating, as many people have seen. A couple more emails here. Hello, Lori. I am 20 and sometimes listen to passion. I listened to the Baby Boomer show for the first time. At first, I thought, oh my God, this is going to be so not cool. The more I listened, the more I got into it. I wish my parents were boomers. Boomers are so awesome. I went on YouTube and searched songs from the 60s and 70s. Many songs I knew but did not know they were from the boomer years. And some songs I liked right away I never listened to before. I'm hooked on Tommy James and the Chandelles. I love to dance and get right into disco Le Freak. Oh, I remember that one. Dancing Queen, Get Up and Boogie, super awesome dance music. My parents are in their mid-40s, are in no way as in touch or as cool as boomers. Woohoo, boomers. I forgot, I forget the other two boomers' names, but they were my kind of people. Some, um, Mallory and Mark were the other two boomers. Thank you. It's nice to get that kind of support from young people who are trying to understand the boomer generation. Totally appreciate that. Uh, just a fast note to say how much you are helping me keep my sanity. On my way home, I will be taking my adopted grandma to my place for the weekend. I love these follow up emails we've heard from these some people over and over again. She means the world to me, and I love her so much. Just if I back, if you're just hearing this story for the first time, this is someone from the very beginning of the pandemic when we talked about reaching out. We did a lot of shows on helping each other and reaching out to people and such and she reached out to an elderly woman months and months ago and now they are like uh, mother and daughter it's the most beautiful thing and she has helped her through the entire um, pandemic and has kind of adopted this uh, this grandmother so One of those angels out there, frankly. Uh, She means the world to me and I love her so much. She loves playing song quiz, forties and fifties music on my Alexa. (laughs) And it is heartwarming to see her enjoy herself. She still beats me at Scrabble, but I've got much better. Men are still not part of my life and will not be until this pandemic has passed. Well, I'm happy that you found a companion and at the same time, it's so nice because it just, you help each other, right? It's a beautiful thing. Uh, And then, I got a follow-up from a texter who wrote in, I guess, a couple, two nights ago, possibly, uh, telling us uh, the unrequited love texter, uh, emailer rather, who um you know, has emotional feelings for someone who has told her, absolutely not, I'm not interested in a relationship, et cetera, et cetera. She writes, thank you very much for your advice the other night. I had a talk with my guy friend and I now know I was fooling myself. I realize now I do not really love him like I thought I was in love with the idea. Even though the sex was great, best ever, there is much more to a relationship, so much more. That was the last time we spoke, but he told me if ever I really needed him, he would be for me, be there for me, as um, as a friend, and then goes on to share a story about how she actually did need him for some computer work, and he uh, helped out. Even though I now know he is not the guy for me, I am lucky to have a friend like him, and lucky that you, Doctor Lori, helped me realize it. I'm just happy you realized it, and you will be moving on from that. And I'm sure there's some great guy out there waiting to have a relationship with you. So don't lose. Faith Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. A couple of texts here to share with you tonight on our Anything Goes Friday night. I don't understand why people would pay to watch someone that they can't touch rather than making plans with a live person. Also, sometimes people find it easier to sext rather than meeting, but porn does the same thing and is free and anonymous. I guess it depends what people are looking for. So the with the cam girls, I've spoken to a few people who kind of use cam girls, and they feel a link to this person because they can interact with them. They can tell them, do this, do that you know, I'd like to see this, I'd like to see that. So there is some level of interaction. The sexting rather than meeting for a lot of people, it's the thrill of the chase. It's the, they flirt with the idea of uh, infidelity, right? Even though. It would still be a betrayal to a partner. They're just kind of like flirting, flirting around the edges of uh, of infidelity. And porn does; it's arousing. It, it's not quite the the same thing. And you're right; it's free, it's anonymous, it's the easy, it's the easy fix to get an arousal and uh, and what have you. Dr. Lloyd, please make space on this episode to discuss ethical non-monogamy. All relationship models are different, and I think it's quite a big mistake to make sweeping generalizations about what constitutes cheating. Terms of a relationship ideally would be made clear rather than assuming that the default setting is complete monogamy. Sexual expression is important and everyone in the relationship should be on the same page. I couldn't agree with you more. I don't know if you heard last night's show, but I always talk about ethical non-monogamy. I always put in the caveat that unless the couple is on the same page where they can have other partners, that is not cheating. I clearly made that distinction last night where you have the ethical non-monogamous, you don't have to be monogamous, but you have, you have to be, both of you have to agree to the non-monogamy, which is what makes it ethical non-monogamy, which is very different from going behind your partner's back and, and cheating. So I think I, I've, I'm pretty clear on that. I think I, I've done, I've. For myself, I think I've done a good job in in making that distinction for people. So, uh, but thank you for the reminder and and, uh, making it clear that way. I'm afraid to tell my partner what I like because whenever I do, it ends up being the only thing they try and expect it to work every time. Then I'm afraid to tell them that I don't always like it without getting worried she'll never try again. So the the key here is to have a conversation with your partner and simply saying that, like, I love when you do X, Y, Z, whatever, you can give her a whole list of things that you love, and then you say, and I want to know everything you love, but I also understand that sometimes i'm in the mood for this sometimes i'm in the mood for that sometimes this works sometimes that works so that level of communication has to stay open throughout the sexual activity as well so you can have that conversation before and after and then you can guide your partner uh, either by movements or or by your sounds that to to indicate that you really love what's happening or things like that so uh these, this is still a conversation to to be continued and to constantly be open to having uh, these, uh, conversations, a baby boomer, writes: See, we are the cool parents, or I should say the cool grandparents guess the sixties and seventies generation was, and still is the in crowd. <laughs> if you'd like to think so, I guess other generations might feel differently. It seems like people use these digital means out of laziness. It makes sense. They don't have to have a shower, get ready, and don't have to worry about performance anxiety or any other dysfunction very 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 true for a lot of people that's exactly it it's an it, it's like if you're hungry you eat fast food at the car window it's much faster it satisfies a particular hunger not always the best for you you don't always feel so good after but it satisfies that hunger on the spot rather than go to the restaurant wait to be served you know wait a whole hour before your meal comes blah 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 right it's a little bit like that All right, let's talk about the uh, orgasm gap, meaning that there is a difference in the amount of orgasms men and women um, have. So there's new research that's published in the Journal of Evolutionary Behavioral Sciences that reports that approximately 50% of men experience an orgasm every time they have sexual intercourse. For women, this number is only 4%. I don't know if that number surprised you for men. I would have thought it was higher. So only 50% experience an orgasm every single time. So that's a myth busted right there. But interesting to see the difference between men and women, but I've said this, and you've heard me say this umpteen times, that intercourse is not the way to a woman's orgasm. Uh, And clearly, as in this study, 4% only. And they did this study with uh, uh, young, I guess, millennials, uh, university students in in New York. And they asked them questions. How often do you experience an orgasm during penile uh, vaginal sex? So what they found, approximately 2% of men indicated that they never experience an orgasm during sex. 11% 11% said they experienced an orgasm less than half the time. And 37% said they experienced an orgasm more than half the time. For women, 15% said they never experience an orgasm at all. 49% said they experienced an orgasm less than half the time. And 32% said they experienced an orgasm most of the time. There was other, uh, there was other research it was 2018. It was published in the archives of sexual behavior. Also that looked at that and they found that 33% of heterosexual women, uh, report, um, report, always experience an orgasm during sex while 75% of heterosexual men reported the same. Now, this was a larger survey of us adults, much larger than the first one I just said. Uh, and they, conclude the female orgasm is far more challenging to attain than the male orgasm. The research literature bears this out with findings from several US national studies showing men report experiencing orgasm during sexual activity much more frequently than women. But interestingly, the gap is not nearly as large when looking at non-heterosexual individuals. The researchers found that 59% of lesbian women reported always experience an orgasm during sex, while 65% of gay men reported the same, which I find super interesting, right? They also examined which forms of sexual interaction were more likely to increase the likelihood of producing an orgasm in women. So this is where you have to listen. Again, nothing new, nothing earth shattering, nothing you didn't already know, but the research bears this out that oral sex and manual stimulation are key, key to helping women or increasing their likelihood of producing an orgasm in women. The researchers found that both men and women who engaged in acts of sexual variety, such as wearing sexy lingerie, incorporating massages, trying a new sexual position, or taking a shower or bath together were more likely to orgasm during sex. They write orgasm frequencies for heterosexual women only approach those for men when other behaviors were added to sexual intercourse, like oral sex and manual stimulation. These findings are consistent with the view that there are biological differences between men and women in likelihood of orgasm during intercourse. The findings, however, indicate that this orgasm gap can be reduced by addressing sociocultural factors and by encouraging a wider variety of activities when men and women are sexually intimate. This makes the case more, more of a case for the importance of foreplay. So for those of you guys who go straight for intercourse, no, no, no. If you care about your partner and her pleasure You got to do a bit more than that. Uh, Let's see. I would like to know how you feel about fantasizing about someone else during intercourse. Isn't that a type of cheating? So that's an interesting question as well. So if you do this, if you have to fantasize about someone else, and you cannot focus on your partner ever, I think it's a problem. If you're using fantasy, and look, plan- fantasy is not the same as doing, okay? Fantasizing, occasionally fantasizing about someone else, someone you met at the office, someone you met on the streets, someone you've seen on TV, whatever. I do not have a problem with that. I don't think it's something you need to share with with your partner. But I've spoken to couples that do share, and they're both like, "Oh, who'd you fantasize about? Oh, who'd you fantasize about?" And it was, and it was perfectly okay. So, uh, personally, I don't consider this a kind of uh, of cheating. But I'm I'm curious to see what others uh, have to say. I just find it too complicated, oh, for the person talking about sex, to talk about it too much. I like to just do it, and ideally without thinking too much. Well, then you have to just guide your partner in the process. Oh, please, can you do this? Or I'd like more of this. Or uh, either guide them with your hands or with your moans and letting them know that's what you liked. Or, yeah, that's it. That hits the spot or whatever it is. Something to, uh, to that effect. As far as cheating, I've often heard that humans are one of the only species that have the ability to choose to have one partner. And that's what makes the difference between us and animals. Well, for sure, monogamy is a choice that we make. It's not always an easy choice, but it is a choice. And some people can't make that choice because it doesn't fit with them. And so they choose to be in consensually non-monogamous relationships, as long as you're clear about that. And that's why you got to know yourself. And you got to know what works for you. Coming up, a very fun, embarrassing uh, story submitted by one of our listeners for our Stupid Sex Story segment. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Time for your stupid sex story, embarrassing stories submitted by our listeners. So I'm keeping them anonymous. I see names, but I'm not going to say the names. Um, that way, we can, you know, get it going. Uh, let's see. You have a disclaimer, Lori, and the at the beginning of your show. This stupid sex story will need a disclaimer of its own. My sister and I lived in Sherbrooke and we were both attending McGill University. We both had part-time jobs and shared the same car and our parents helped us financially because we were renting an apartment in Montreal during school. I had a boyfriend at the time and my sister decided to go home for the weekend, but I was working the Sunday morning, so did not go. She left Friday afternoon. I had my boyfriend over. We had dinner and opened a bottle of wine, then another and another, to the point we were just pretty sloshed. He wanted to have sex, but I told him I just started my period and it was pretty heavy. The wine had the better of both of us, and we tossed a towel on the hardwood floor and a couple of throw pillows, and we got started. Drunk as skunks and nothing mattered. At some point, we both passed out on the floor. My sister did not go home. She walked in on us. She screamed at the top of her voice, and my boyfriend and I came around, blood everywhere, vomit, bottles on the floor, and the smell. It was enough to make anyone sick. I remember my neighbor running in, and she was in a state of shock. My boyfriend freaked out and just grabbed his clothes and crawled into the kitchen. I sat up, and according to my sister, I said I am so effing drunk and vomited on myself again. The next thing I remember is being in the bathtub with the shower going. Next day, I still felt sick, but my sister cleaned everything up. The reason she did not go home was because she called and mom and dad decided to come early Saturday morning to Montreal. My sister hooked up with a friend and went to a movie. She was going to stay at her friend's place and come home early and clean up before our parents arrived, but changed her mind. Had my sister not come home when she did, I think we would have still been passed out on the floor the next morning. My parents noticed I was not myself and I just told them I had one too many glasses of red wine last night. I remember my sister looking at me and saying, you could not have drank that much. There was a lot of red wine on the floor that you spilled. Of course, we know it wasn't red wine. Two of the throw pillows had to be thrown in the garbage and my sister was not happy with me and it took a lot of making it up to her. That image she calls a crime scene is still embedded in her memory on a finishing note, we both graduated and still as close as can be. (laughs) It ends well. Uh, So happy your parents didn't walk in on that. That would have scarred them uh, for life. A couple of texts here. Uh, I can tell you as a lesbian woman, myself and my partner always have an orgasm and multiple orgasms every time. And that goes with the with the studies that show that women who are non-heterosexual women tend to have uh, more orgasms more often, uh, so there are many animals or birds that have only one life, one lifelong partner, like gray foxes, seahorses, and swans. They mate for life. So, thank you for checking that and letting us know. Not, not all animals are uh, non-monogamous. There you go. Uh, And then when it comes to fantasizing, sometimes people can pop into people's heads randomly, even when they don't want to think about that person. Very true. Very, sometimes very hard to control. And it's just a thought. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that's who you want. It doesn't mean that's who you want to have uh, sex with. So there you go. All right. Let's, uh, I found this really, really interesting article by Emma Patty in Elle magazine. The headline was, Stop Saying You're Happily Married. And I thought, hmm, this is interesting. And I'll read you parts of this. If happy marriages were common, divorce wouldn't be. Yet if you ask a group of friends how their marriage is or spend an hour scrolling through Instagram, you will run into the same term over and over, happily married. With all the echoes of living happily ever after, Being happily married has become the gold standard for romantic relationships. It implies both a joyous daily experience and that the marriage itself is happy, healthy, and built to stand the test of time. In his book On Love and Other Difficulties, the poet Rainier Maria Rilke writes, It does not occur to anyone to expect a single person to be happy. But if he marries, people are much surprised if he isn't. It's an astute observation. We don't expect an individual to be happy in terms of their daily experience or as a fixed state of being on their own. In fact, science has proven that happiness is more strongly linked to genetics than anything else. Similarly, we don't expect people to be happily employed or happily parenting. In fact, people are generally compassionate when it comes to the challenges of work and raising children. You are also allowed to be unhappy in your job without that reflecting negatively on you or your abilities. Frustration, exhaustion, and even occasional regret are considered acceptable experiences for parents, for example. In this way, marriage is the only arrangement in which for others to see it as worthy, we must claim that we are consistently happy It's a concept grounded in falsehood, one that's created a binary between happy and unhappy marriages, when the reality is that in most long-term relationships, there are happy and unhappy years or decades. Even Michelle Obama recently admitted on her podcast that she and Barack questioned the point of marriage and have had periods of struggle that lasted years. If the Obamas can admit they aren't always happily married, why can't the rest of us? The other problem with all this pretending is that we don't think anyone else is pretending. Everyone else's happy marriage must be real. We become convinced that we are the outlier. Something is uniquely broken in our marriage and we must either get divorced or pretend even harder so nobody sees through the facade. There's also the simple math of marriage. The more years you're married, the more likely you are to experience both periods of blissful joy and intense discourse. So how do we end the myth of being happily married? Let's start by talking openly and honestly, we need to bring this more nuanced and understanding to marriage, a collective understanding that you can be in a healthy or meaningful marriage with many moments of happiness, but you will still likely experience hard times. I thought it was a brilliant piece. Absolutely loved it. Emmy Patti of Elle Magazine. If you want to read that, that was only part of it. It was actually quite quite a bit longer than that. Uh, But I thought it was brilliant. Loved it. Texter writes, marriage contracts should be other contracts that have an end date with all ownership details included. Seven years and with an auto renew for three years if both agree. Saves a lot of legal complications. In principle, I'm not sure about the contract, but I like the idea of every seven years or I don't know how many years, but sitting down and doing an assessment like doing an audit of your marriage and looking at what works, what doesn't work, what can we fix, and then renewing the commitment to working on it, renewing that commitment. Dr. Lori, what does monogamous mean? Monogamous means that you are with one partner, no other sexual partners, one at a time. You're exclusive with one partner, sexually speaking speaking is what it means. Coming up, some research on casual sex. Is it emotionally healthy? I think you'll be surprised to hear. I was a bit um, surprised, pleasantly so, but nonetheless, we'll talk about that uh, coming up and anything else you'd like to talk about. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. The question, is casual sex emotionally healthy? Article written by Dr. Savin Williams. A review reveals most people evaluate their casual sex as positive. I know there are studies that say negative, but we'll get to those. Uh, The research question for uh, Rose Wesch and her colleagues was not whether adults engage in casual sex, but when they do, is it a positive or negative life event and what factors predict the emotional outcome of casual sex? For example, do the sexes evaluate casual sex in a similar manner? So they reviewed over 70 research articles to explore these issues. We call this a meta-analysis. Uh, So lots of findings here. The author's primary finding was clear. In each study where authors tested the difference between positive and negative feelings, participants reported significantly more positive than negative feelings. It is not possible to assess the magnitude of this difference, but it was consistently found across nearly all studies. Although the preponderance of the evidence was positive, negative casual sex encounters were reported by many individuals who had at least one negative experience. So it's not all roses. Nearly three quarters of individuals in several studies experienced regret negative feelings, or embarrassment. Thus, one cannot necessarily count on having a positive sexual encounter with a casual partner, but the odds are in one's favor if certain conditions are met, and we'll talk about that. Uh, That said, the best sex for many was with one's romantic partner and not with a casual sex partner, especially if it was with a stranger. Now, the causation question is difficult to disentangle. Is it that casual sex increases a person's self-esteem and decreases depression or anxiety? Or is it that those who already have high self-esteem and are not particularly anxious engage in casual sex? So there's a link, but there's not a causal link. Okay, we don't know. Uh, Explicit detail about what causes positive versus negative outcomes is largely unknown. Perhaps some individuals engage in casual sex because they are lonely or depressed. Others, because they are feeling invigorated and horny. And others, because the opportunity was random or unplanned and they went for it. So they found five important nuances that I want to share. Women more than men were likely to worry about and regret their casual sex encounter. So uh, these activities were less emotionally satisfying for women than for men, but we've already known that. We've reported on that in, um, in the past. Indiv- uh, there were few clear age patterns in the emotional health outcomes of casual sex. They characterize adolescents, young adults, and adults. Individuals with positive and permissive attitudes towards sexuality tended to have better emotional casual sex outcomes. Most realize that casual sex can be sexually pleasurable, but is seldom emotionally intimate. That is, having reasonable expectations was very critical. For example, hoping the casual sex encounter would evolve into a romantic relationship usually led to disappointment and heartbreak. Those familiar with their casual sex partner generally had more positive than negative emotional outcomes versus strangers, for example, when it was strangers or first-time partners, there was a higher level of negative evaluations. Friends with benefits was a good and healthy solution for some. And if the encounter involved penetrative, either oral, vaginal, and or anal penetration, rather than non-penetrative contact, like kissing and touching, it was more likely to be a negative experience. So that's a huge study meta-analysis of all the studies existing or the some main ones on casual sex and how it affects us emotionally. As a somewhat single guy, casual sex cannot work for me. Once I have intercourse, I seem to immediately experience an emotional attachment and it sticks. Casual sex for me is okay so long as I avoid intercourse. Oh, just like we just said. And not to mention someone gets hurt Eventually, guess it depends on the person and their personality. (laughs) Tony writes in, uh, we were talking about happily ever after and happily married. I always told people we were happily married. I was married and she was happy. I've never heard that joke. I really like it. And since when do we hold the Obama's as the gold standard of marriage? Well, on the outside, they look like a lovely, lovely couple, strong. We can see them as a power couple, all of that. I think the whole point is you might see a couple that that you hold up as a standard and say, wow, they look like they have a great marriage, but nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors. Nobody knows the struggles that each couple has endured. So there's, you're not happy all the time. You can be happy and have Periods in a marriage, like I said, that are uh, that are down, lot, lots of downs, and that is normal. So I think it's, people might freak out when they do have these dips or these moments of distress in their marriages and maybe give up at that point. Whenever my wife tells me about good-looking guys at work and describes them as really good-looking, uh, she always throws in that they are gay. Is that so I don't mind that she calls them good-looking or because she thinks of it as a waste of a good-looking guy? <laughs> I, mean, I, I will not guess what's in your wife's mind. I cannot guess what's in your wife's mind, unfortunately. <laughs> um, this is an interesting study, too. The headline was, Young Men Are More Likely to Feel Lonely during the pandemic than older people or um, women. A new study shows that young men are more likely to be lonely. This is research from uh, the UK and a few universities. They found that there was a steady increase in loneliness ca- caused by COVID-19 as people get younger. They're having a hard time, our youth, uh, I believe. That is like the period of lots of socializing, right? Sometimes we don't talk about loneliness with our peers. So with that in mind, some tips and tricks to get you through one of the hardest times in modern history. Uh, So I'll share a few of these here. We all know about Zoom, Skype, WhatsApp, or Facebook Messenger. Group chats are a key tool in keeping in touch with those you love. Uh, why not use these apps in a different way? For example, play games on the apps. There are some apps that you can actually play games as with your friends. Uh, we did this as a family. We played some games on, uh, on some apps that way. Uh, connect with others through uh, online gaming as well. Uh, having a virtual gathering. That's also really great. I mean, these are all things that we, we know and we've talked about many times. Just to say, it's not an easy time for any of us, but I find it interesting that younger uh, men are, are feeling it the most, sadly. I'm a woman, and if I'm interested and get along with and I'm attracted to a guy, then I end up with an emotional bond to them, even if there is no intercourse. Sometimes it's just the physical closeness that produces the bonding hormone. It sucks if the other person is just looking for a good time. You're right. You're absolutely right. And that's where, uh, it can be a problem. At least the Obamas, somebody writes knows how, know how to present themselves with class and integrity in public. Unlike the majority of couples, not to mention a certain notorious so-called president. We won't go there. <laughs> Although I watched something very interesting today. I don't even remember on, on what, but I, I watched through uh, YouTube stuff and they were looking at the relationship between, uh, Trump and, and Melania, and they they were just picking apart like every time they're seen together, and how she sh- you know shushes him away, like moves his arm away or what have you. It's very rare that there's there was a lot of warmth between them, and now people are uh, predicting that uh, within ninety days she will be serving him with <laughs> divorce papers. I don't know if that's true. I'm just that's what I'm I'm hearing, but that's a whole other conversation. Do you think Princess Diana had a fairy tale marriage with Charles? Uh I, that was the least fairy tale marriage of any marriage I think I know. Uh absolutely not. <laughs> uh somebody says please do tell. Do tell what? Um anyway, and then I think that's about it. I'm looking at the clock now. Yep. That uh, that about covers it. I, there's always so much to tell you and so much to share and so little time but next week is another week on Monday. We will have our therapist panel on. So we'll talk about mental health issues. So if there's some stuff you want to talk about, make sure you send in your emails to me ahead of time, or just tune in on Monday and uh, talk to our, our gang of therapists here. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I really do appreciate it. Thanks to Nicole Proano, our technical producer, Linda Delisi, our passion researcher, if you want to find me, easy easy peasy, DrLaurie.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com. It's where you can write to me, where you can get information about different things that I do, uh, and where you can also pick up the podcast of the show if you go to the Passion Radio tab. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you this CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Have a fabulous weekend. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion. Feeling. Love in Montreal City